Welcome to Zephyr Yoga Inspiration. I offer these podcasts for free, and your support really does make a difference and is appreciated. To make a donation, please click the link in the episode description or visit ZephyrYoga.com. Say a huge welcome to you all for joining me in this last experience with the Kleshas. As we've um, worked in the past few sessions with dvesha, that avoidance of feeling uncomfortable, that draws us into uh, raga, which is that attachment to something more pleasurable, that then uh, fuels our ego to kind of reduce ourselves to what we think, what we feel, and what we do. I don't like that. I like this. And creating more of this veil of ignorance called avidya over our ability to perceive life in this moment. This last klesha is kind of <laughs> the big one um, and the kind of deeper seated um, uh, klesha that is really embedded in our psyche. And it is um, a binivesha. This is the fear of loss, the fear of change, and the fear of death. Now I ask you, while I talk, to stay in your body. Notice what thoughts come up, what sensations come up, what emotions come up, what memories, what concepts, what stories may come up when I am sharing this information with you. And I just ask you to just remain open and curious to whatever is revealed, however you react. There's no wrong or right way. All that you notice is serving you in your learning as a yoga student. And I myself am a student. We all are. And this ongoing understanding, so remembering that we create um, tapas, um, practices that create heat for positive change, physical heat, energetic heat, mental heat of concentration in that way in which we self-study that svadaya of understanding ourselves of gaining more self-insight and um, noticing what comes up as a result of practice and then we practice that ishvara pranadana that surrendering to the godhead of our understanding that ability to surrender and let go detaching with love from whatever comes up but we see it we understand it and then we practice letting go so Abhyasa, focus, diligent practice in Vairagya, letting go of sensory observation. So that is the idea of practicing yoga because working with a Vesha will bring some stuff up. So, you know, this idea of the fear of change, our fear of death is a suffering deep within our instinctual subconscious. You know, that fear is hardwired for self-preservation. There is a reaction of fear when circumstances change. There is a fear that comes up when we feel like we're gonna lose control. Fear comes up when we feel that we're going to lose something that we're attached to, someone we're attached to. And then there's this, this kind of avoidance of staying in denial of the inevitable end. And there's just this reinforcement of this cycle of Abhini Vesha that keeps on going over and over and over in us. Now, this deep-seated involvement with duality 
is actually embedded within all of us, the wise as well as the naive. The example of coming up to a 100 meter cliff edge and if a gust of wind comes, we are all going to flinch, react, to pull ourselves away from actually falling to our death. That is a natural response. It is natural to want to stay, to stay alive and it is a part of our autonomic nervous system to notify us when change or the fear of something that's going to cause us harm arises. But it is said that the suffering arises when we live in ignorance of the only truth we know of, which is to live is to die. And that we have that experience wisdom that everything has a beginning, middle and end. This is the truth of impermanence. There is a beginning to your thought. There will be a middle of your thought and there will be an end of your thought. There is an emotion that comes in. You wake up angry. There's going to be a middle and uh, or a beginning, middle and end to a life drama, a situation that you find yourself. There's going to be a beginning, middle and end. And, you know, there is going to you know, we will all be affected by this inevitability of our own life. There's going to be a beginning, middle and end. So what is so bad about the concept of death when this is a fact of life? Well, it's your ego, <laughs> your ego, whether healthy ego or unhealthy ego really likes its home. It doesn't want to be evicted from its home because it has a mind, it has opinions, it has beliefs, it has viewpoints, it has things it likes to play with, it has a personality, it has family, it has friends, it has loved ones, it has um, adoration, it has yoga students, it has Instagram followers, you know, it really likes this life that we're living and it doesn't want to give it up. So as long as we're ignorant of vidya, of this impermanence of things, there will always be an ego which is fueled by your attachment, raga, devesha, um, that aversion. And that will be perpetuating the fear of changing anything in your life that will disrupt this reality. And the fear of losing something that you have and the fear of dying eventually, you know, um, it's unavoidable. It's going to happen, but it's this kind of cycle of what we keep ourselves stuck into and investing. And in. this is who I am. This is who I will always be. And I'm not going to give it up. And I don't want to. However, <laughs> when we practice, we start to unfold and question and ponder, actually, who is that? What is that? And what yoga suggests is what we truly are is Sat Chit Ananda. Sat is an existence, Chit is consciousness, and Ananda is bliss. So what we truly are is the joyful ex existence of consciousness embodied as us. And that same joyful conscious existence is embodied as me. And so we share this collective consciousness that animates the whole universe, that we are a part of everything and everything is a part of us. Science proves that, that we are a part of the stars, the periodic table of elements, 
we're a part of that and so is everything else and it's this this great mystery of life of what is behind all life that is animating us and it's just our egotism that creates this separateness this investment in the story of me mine and i'm i'm the main character my story and i don't want to let this story end you know and the ego goes i think therefore i am i feel therefore i am i do therefore i am but are you really your thoughts are you your emotions? Are you your actions? Or are you just consciousness experiencing it? Witnessing it? And having a human experience consciously? And without them, without your memories, without your life experiences, who are you? And yoga gets you to contemplate that. Who are you when you're not trying to be somebody? What is that? Where is that? And how does it exist? So these contemplative practices are really provocative and it brings up a fear because you're like, I don't know, I don't know. And that's actually the most powerful <laughs> statement one can make is I, I don't know. But what yoga asks us to do when we practice is not to just be led by blind faith, but open to this experienced wisdom as you practice, discovering what that is, awakening to what you truly are, what you have always been and what you will always be. They say it is this pure consciousness from the moment of your conception, through birth, through your growth, to this moment, to death and beyond, consciousness will still be there. It's untouched by your life circumstances. However, it is informed by your choices in your lifetime, this lifetime. And we just have that disease of forgetfulness, this human disease of forgetfulness. We wake up and we forget not just who we are, but what we are. And we constantly reduce ourselves to this egotism of our labels. I am Zephyr. <laughs> I'm a yoga teacher. I'm a mother. I'm, But I am so much more than that. I just get caught up in the drama of me, mine, and I. So we come onto our mat and do these contemplative practices that wakes us up to this inevitable reality that there will be a beginning, middle, and end, and how skillful am I being in celebrating a well-lived life, but learning how to let go in my practice of what is experienced, practicing this pondering of what that is and what is that transition into the next lifetime? Or if there is one, who knows? A lot of this, what is, what happens after death? No one knows, it's all theory. This is the funny thing. All religions, all concepts of what happens after, no one knows, I don't know. And this is where we start to open to understand what our purpose is. Now, the one thing, the one thing I have experienced as a birthing doula, um, the one thing that I've experienced as a death doula, and the one thing that I experienced watching my late husband die, is death will be the most important thing you will do in your life. Let that land. Death will be the most important thing you will do in your life. And this really starts to open up a very delicate topic 
And I do recognize that, you know, we ourselves, you guys, have probably faced life's changing circumstances. You've experienced loss in different forms and through illness, disease, and death that you've experienced, this becomes quite triggering. But our practice of yoga is preparing us for that. But it has a specific philosophy that is kind of tethered towards a theory. So I wanna give you that theory. I don't know if I believe in this, I don't know. But you open to that exploration and not blindly kind of lead and kind of go, this is what Zephyr said, and this is, I'm gonna follow this. You experience it, what drops and resonates with you. But the yogic philosophy says, the state of your mind at death determines the state of your mind at rebirth, as this tradition believes in reincarnation, and what karma the soul chooses to work with in this lifetime, and it's trying to resolve, so it will inform the soul at death to carry on different karmic work in the next lifetime. So you might not be in line with that theory and that's okay, but it explains more about why yoga um, philosophy and practice draws us towards a certain experience. So to recap, um, yoga believes you have a soul called the Atman and this soul that um, is light lit up like so your soul is kind of like a light bulb and pure consciousness lights that light bulb so you have your individual kind of consciousness your soul atman and then pure consciousness lights that light bulb so your soul chose this lifetime to work through certain karma and it carries certain baggage what it's trying to do is resolve certain karma in this lifetime so when it the the body dies in this lifetime the soul will disengage with the body. Then the subtle body will continue and having this experience. And when it chooses another body to inhabit for another lifetime, it disengages with the subtle body. And then the soul has this experience and tries to release some of the baggage of karma and resolve some of the baggage. So in every lifetime, it continues trying to experience as much karma as possible and resolve that karma so eventually it will be liberated it's called kaivalya from being reborn because it's been enlightened awakened and freed from the cycle of birth life and death so the soul that has experienced kaivalya has lived every experience a human can experience you know it has been the murdered and it has been the murderer. You know, it's been, you know, the wealthy and it's been the poor. You know, it's been the privileged and it's been the not so privileged, okay? So it's like, it's lived every single, your soul's lived everything. And that's what we're trying to do is create as much karma and resolve the karma as possible. And this is why we practice. We refine in a therapeutic way and just own what is ours to feel, think and experience and practice with it use the tools and then learn how to detach with love and let it go and find peace, serenity and acceptance, resolve, forgiveness within whatever you're dealing with in your life. So at death, it suggests that we should cultivate an attitude of acceptance, love, healing, compassion and forgiveness. 
not clinging, resisting, and fighting death. And unfortunately, if you've ever experienced it, not everyone is gifted that opportunity. And some people have to bear that terrible suffering of holding on. And it's hard for the person who's going through it, dying, resisting death. And it's so hard for those loved ones who are witnessing it. So I know that's a real touchy subject, but this is one of the reasons why we focus on certain things in our practice, preparing for this inevitable end, and why we focus on Ibinu Vesha as an important part about how do we live better. And the two things that I can gift you, and I wasn't really aware of this until it was pointed out, and I hope this will help you become more aware of it and value this, this information more, yeah? The breath is teaching us the life cycle and death cycle all the time. When you are born, when a baby comes out, you receive your first breath and it's on the inhale. You get life and then they cry. Sometimes they don't, but you get what I mean. They inhale, they breathe in, they welcome, they receive that life-giving breath. And when you die, you die on your exhale. You exhale. And then there's a pause and you're gone. So within the birth of the breath, there's a beginning, there's a middle, there's an end, and there's a transition as you celebrate your life. But then there's a beginning of your exhale, the decay, beginning, middle, and end. And then there's a transition at the end of the breath, which is represented by the little death. And then you get to be reborn again. And you do that breath by breath, this breath cycle that really teaches you about the life cycle. The other thing that we do most of the time in practice is Shavasana. We practice our physical asana, breathing, warrior, doing these yoga poses, creating effort, breathing in and breathing out and creating effort and living this and trying to be skillful and use these different tools and techniques of practice. And then we lie down at the end, Shavasana. Shavasana means corpse pose. We're practicing being a corpse. Isn't that funny? I think it's funny, <laughs> but I do have to have a sense of humor regards to life because, geez, if you can't laugh at it, what's the point? But look, be taking it seriously is, is that every time you practice, you are practicing at the end, the inevitable end of your death. So as you pause, and recognize that we have real no control over when it is our time to die. We trust in the process of life and learn as we are practicing how to let go, how to accept the inevitable end and how to die with grace. And Buddha suggested that the end of our life, we just need to fulfill three questions. How well did you live? How well did you love? And how well did you learn how to let go? Because at the end of your life, you're doing the big let go. And that is so important because as you reflect on your life, you feel that you have created more meaningful connection in your life, that this was not wasted, that you have loved so deeply and in so many different facets, that you lived so well, but you practice how to detach with love from all of it and learn how to finally let go 
this is big stuff. My late husband, right before he died, I was just fighting it. And I just, it was so painful. And I was so angry. And I was so sad. And he was on his deathbed. He was a skinny, uh, skin and bones. He was hooked up to all this. It was horrible. It's really horrible when you get prolonged, you know, experiences and it's quite traumatizing. Um, and I was really trapped in my own suffering. It was about me, mine and I, my ego. And I didn't like this and I had a version and I wanted something better. And I just, ah, and he turned to me and he said something that just rocked me. It sunk so deep and he goes, Sefer, this is good, as good as it gets. This is as good as it gets right now. This is the best I have right now. I'm about to die. Be here with me right now. And it just went. And I just floods of tears and realizing how I was just trying to avoid this moment because it was so painful. But the teaching within that just comment right now. I don't know if I leave this room, if I'm going to die. This is as good as it gets for me right now. So why don't we practice living more fully? You know, finding what brings us joy, delight, loving more deeply as if it is our last. So this, you know, practice is one to calm the kleshas, to clear them, to face the inevitable um, loss, change, and death as an experience in our life that is so invaluable. We honor it as we breathe and move. We celebrate a better lived life and we practice drawing us closer to grace rather than farther into more fear. I don't want to do this stuff. Why? I'm going to push pause and I'm going to run away. You know, it's like be here with that kind of morbid reality that we are going to die. So how do we live right now with more grace? So notice the unique sensations. Notice how this, this talk has provoked a lot of kind of an interesting emotion. Where do you feel it in your body? Where are you disassociating? Where are you wanting to run away from? This is invaluable information because this is the point of practice. This is the heat. This is yoga right now. And this self-study, Svadaya, and that Ishvara Pranadana is like, wow. Okay, how can I surrender to the reality of this moment? So in this, you kind of are showing up and saying, life is not just happening to me, it's happening for me. And how can I be this human being having a conscious experience? How can I connect to being a conscious being having this human experience and live with more grace, find more acceptance and learn how to forgive and let go freely? If you would like to continue to practice, find out more information about the topics discussed, or to donate to this podcast, please visit ZephyrYoga.com or follow the link in the episode description. I thank you.